and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 36. With me tonight, Kimberly. Hey, everybody. And, of course, Mac. Hi. Podcasting from my bunker beneath the streets of Lakewood. And Ian. Not Ian. Good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. All right. Anything interesting going on? Not terribly. No, not really. All right. Went over and visited my parents today. I got them through the end of season four of of West Wing and into season five. Okay, good. So that was a good show. I enjoyed that. That was a good show. They're enjoying it too. Good. I can't leave them on the end of a season, however. No, because they won't no, get to the next one. It does well. Usually, they were in and on a cliffhanger of some sort, and that does not sit well with my mom she likes to know she likes singing dancing and a happy ending by her quote (laughs) she likes to know that everything's all right jen's like that too she she likes to watch a series after it's already aired because that way she doesn't have to stop she can just watch the whole thing and there's no cliffhangers yeah there's definitely something to be said for holding out until the season's over and then watching it all no commercials straight through if you're really into a story nothing stops you right but it's terrible for the nelson ratings also true, that. True. <laughs> and that may make the series not survive because everybody's waiting for the end of the end of the season so that they can watch it all at one time. Right. So, yeah. all right. So, a couple of announcements. Um, we are now. Um, th- there's a uh, kind of a skeptics podcast and blog listing called Skeptics on the Net, and they put us up there and gave us a nice review. Very nice review. Yeah. So we so that that was good. So we're listed over there, and. Uh, I guess, and then now last Sunday, um, Kimberly, Ian, and myself uh, attended a uh, Scientology talk, kind of a, uh, well, I guess Kimberly described it kind of as a confession, which it definitely had some of those elements to it, didn't it? Yeah, sure did. Yeah. So what did you guys think of that? It was a very interesting talk, um, and just to give other people a, a quick rundown, so it was a guy who apparently joined uh, Scientology, was a Scientologist since the 90s. And um, had recently been removed from Scientology, and we'll probably go into some of the specifics there in a few. But um, he was kind of telling us it was what well, he talked for about an hour or so, and told us about kind of some of the uh, history of Scientology, how things got started, some of the figures involved, and some of the crazy, crazy stuff they have them do. Yeah, and that, it was really good. Yeah. So, know, how did he get kicked out of being a Scientologist? Okay, he he couldn't he couldn't really talk. Oh well, what well, I guess he went to a picnic where a couple of anti-Scientology people were former Scientology Fine, people okay. that um were on the blacklist. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. And so he went there, and so they they removed him from the church, and they started. So a campaign he became blacklisted by association. Essentially, that's what it sounds like. Right. Now there is a lawsuit going on, and he couldn't talk about it all that much. So. All that was kind of vague. All we know is that he went to this picnic with this blacklisted um, Scientologist, and he was removed. They started a Facebook campaign against him, and uh, and they did what Scientologists have been known to do, and they got nasty. And he said he would have been willing to just walk away from the church, right? Except for but, the fact that they pursued yeah. him. Basically, they picked a fight, and he said, "Okay, I'll fight back." <laughs> right. So, okay. so his story was interesting, and he couldn't really tell that much of it. I would say, for the most part, the information. That he gave, he he gave the information because um, he didn't get all the way up to where they find out about Zenu and all that. He didn't get that high in the church, so he gave a little bit. the The information that was probably the most interesting was, you know, basically the initial test, um, and then the what the two hundred and forty question test that kind of you know 
that, that they kind of yeah. use to trip you up. And so they, they have – after they do their initial tests and they use their fancy resistance machine so that they, they know that you have what, – what, what did they call it? The um, engrams? Right. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. so all right. the, we all have these engrams that we have to work through. So yeah. they, the, the goal of the Church of Scientology is to clean up the world. And they're doing such a great job that he talked about how, on the average, they're lucky to get two people cleaned a year. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, but one of the things he said is that you know the one of the one of the things that Scientology is is out to do is you know is protect the world from atheists. So atheism was certainly one of the things that they were worried about. So, but everybody has all these engrams, and, and so you go and they you get a uh, the after you take the initial test, you know they they and they that's their lure. They get you in. You take another test, which is like tw- uh, two hundred and some odd questions, where they where they ask you a lot of the same kinds of things in different ways and kind of try and trip you up, and then they use that to show you where where your where your issues are and tell you that you have to get auditing to get through these things and that the auditing and the is basic gonna, go ahead the basic setup is okay this is the problem you're really focused on we'll give you some actual helpful advice that you can use and work through that um, those problems you're having and then after that it just um they keep every time you come up with a problem they say oh well you need to take more auditing more classes more whatever you know and it all costs money and you know Initially, he even said initially there was some good stuff to it. He liked what, you know, it did help him. It did help him clear his mind and straighten himself out. But then afterwards, it just was almost like, okay, can we do more? But they just kept giving the same stuff over and over again. Oh, well, you need this kind of auditing, this kind of auditing, this kind of auditing. And it really, after a point, was to him, felt like a waste of time. Right. And, and I think we saw, again, just that, that very typical religion lore that people use. And it's that placebo effect, again, I think. Right. The, the tests and stuff that they do and the, the auditing they're doing is giving somebody a one-on-one attention, which, um, as we talked about before, I think people just absolutely crave attention. They just don't get enough of it in their life. So to have someone sit across from them and listen is hugely productive and helpful. And I think that's that's what's going on there. And and that, that 200 question thing too is the ability for someone to come in and talk about, again, talk about themselves. Someone is interested in you. And I think that's the huge selling point right there. Well, that's, that's the hook. But once they've got you in, you know, you go through these auditings, and if you're not getting better, it's you. It's not the courses. It's not what they're doing. Right. No, they do nothing wrong. If you're not getting better, it's you. you. And and this is kind of typical of what we see of a lot of these kinds of things. Um, we see it in alternative medicine. We see it, you know, um, you know, um, with faith healing. You know, blaming the victim types of stuff, and they seem to do a lot of that. So they audit your engrams and your wallet and. Basically, if the wallet thing comes up deficient, then and he would talk about that. How um they'll come to you and say, "Hey, listen, you need to do such and such. You know, it's going to cost ten thousand dollars." Oh, we don't have money. Oh, guess what? We have loan forms right here for you. Come on, fill them out. Right, and And, yeah, you know, they they get you every penny they could from you. They 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 do everything they could to make sure they're draining you dry of your money. And, and if you don't pay back that loan, they send out those two guys to, to break the engrams out of your kneecaps. <laughs> well, they don't care if you pay back the loan or not. You go bankrupt, and they'd be, oh, well, if you don't have any more money, you know, I guess still a member of the church, but we're not going to do any more auditing for a while. But once you get money, we'll be back. Right. And, and your faith apparently and, isn't strong enough to move you up the, the ladder that they talked about. Right. Yeah. So, so it was it was interesting. 
Um, and of course, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with Scientology right now. Um, one of the one of the global Scientology leaders in uh, Australia, um, she was arrested. Um, what is her name? Jan Bring Bringham, and uh, she, for covering up child abuse in the uh, in the church. So they so they're having they're starting to get their own. Um, you know, just like the Catholic Church covering up child molestation and stuff. So that they, they uh they're you know Well is, then they're they following a proud press? tradition. Is there any good press for the Scientologists? I mean, for for Christians and, and all these other people, occasionally they you know, they, there's good press. And there's probably a lot of good press out there. I just probably am not reading it. I'm probably kinda of biased. But I don't think that the Scientologists really have any. Is there any good press for them? I think they I have heard mention that stuff like um the Haiti disaster they they do disaster relief. So they are on the ground a lot like other missionaries and and religious organizations when there's trouble and use the opportunity to go ahead and uh and spread the word at the same time that they are doing some legitimate help. Right, I I think there was uh somebody some famous Scientologist who flew a bunch of people a bunch of missionaries out to Haiti for Scientological reasons. So Okay. Okay, so I, it just doesn't seem. It seems like most. Of, I mean, most of the press is negative. And they, what was interesting is how much they censor their um, the people in the church from the press, telling them not to not to read the news and stuff like that. They they really try and keep them away from that stuff. Yeah. And what I thought was really interesting is that they had a computer program that you know people would put into their computer and it would edit the host file and prevent them from getting to all these anti Scientology sites. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, basically, um, they were giving it out and saying, "Oh, here's a program you should load on your computer because it'll help you, you know, in whatever way." And the people would take it home and load it up, and they were, you know, "Oh, look, that site that um I had heard about that was anti Scientology must have gone down because I can't access it anymore." You know, they weren't told what these were doing to their computers. Right. Yeah. So a lot of that kind of stuff. So it was it was interesting conversation, and uh, you know, of course, I after that I did a lot of looking around on the net and, um. You know, unfortunately, what we see with it, we see a lot of anecdotes, really. Um, it's hard to pin down that, you know, I, I wonder, I still wonder what's true and what's not when I'm looking at this stuff. I, there's just no right. way to verify a lot of it. And so you, it is tough. It, it's such a small group, too. You know, like he mentioned that officially Scientology is one of the fastest growing religions because they have so few people. They can double in size fairly easily. Right. Whereas, you know, of course, that's harder for, say, Catholics. You know, you got a billion. You double in size, you got a lot of most likely conversion by the sword. But you know what I mean? You got to do a lot of converting to double that. But when you're such a small group, doubling is not as hard. Right. So there's that's a lot a of that going point. on. Yeah. He talked a little bit about Anonymous and some of the uh, some of the stuff that they're doing. And what I thought was funny is that they're being told that these people are all they're, they're only the reason that they're out there picketing is because they're getting paid with pizza and beer. Yeah. So. There, there was a couple of really interesting things I thought, and, and even the guy who was talking, I, I really got the sense from him that if all things had been even, he might have been kind of losing some of the faith, if you will. But he, he still didn't seem like Scientology was incorrect, and and he even mentioned the people that he got busted for hanging out with are people who have left the church but have not left Scientology. They simply want to do it in their own way. They want to still adhere to the values, but they want to get out of, if you will, the corporate structure. So it's almost like a Protestantism of Scientology. That was kind of interesting. And because he wasn't you're, – you're right. He wasn't particularly angry at the church. He was angry at the tax from the church. And so now he's seeing some of the stuff that they're doing that he didn't like. But you're right. He, he probably He probably would have been fine just to remain a Scientologist. 
And anybody who wants to get into those core beliefs of Scientology, those higher, you know, want to find out what they believe in, apparently South Park did a very accurate episode on Scientology. It's quite um, funny. Yeah, it's it's a funny it's a funny bit. And the fact that, yeah, a Scientologist has kind of come back and said, yeah, that that's fairly accurate is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really bizarre. It, it is bizarre, yeah. All right, so. You know, do you think somewhere out there L. Ron Hubbard is just – just laughing his butt off at this. No, I I don't. Because <laughs> he's would, dead. That would that exactly that would that would, that would mean I believe in some sort of afterlife. <laughs> well, apparently Scientology does give you the power to write after death. Well, you kind of get your own planet or something. Yeah. So wasn't that what? No, maybe no, maybe that's more. Nice. No, actually, mind. I think the end the end result <laughs> the end result of Scientology is that you do actually become sort of a god of some sort. Yeah, yes. there's something like that. L. Ron Hubbard is still doing his his studies of Scientology, but he had to leave his physical body to continue his work. Right. It was it was holding him back. Yeah. Yep. Apparently, At he found out years of age or something, which is surprising. You would have thought he could have continued for a few more. <laughs> Convenient like that. Absolutely. So, well, both he and uh, both he and uh, what's her name, the the one who did Flowers in the Attic, they they continue to put out books after death. So there's got to be something to it. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's move on. All right, I wanted to let people know uh, we talked last week about um, Damon Flower. Fla- yeah, Fowler. Fowler, sorry. And he was uh, he was the uh, kid who was complaining about the prayer during his high school graduation. And the uh, the SOU is pursuing that. But there was a really good interview with him on uh, on the nonprofits, which is uh, put on by the Atheist Community of Austin. And so that and it was a really good episode. Um, it was an interview with him and then another girl who's also doing um, some had some issues with uh, prayer in her school and uh, which the ACLU is also pursuing so so I went I joined the ACLU this week <laughs> outstanding yes I did yeah cuz uh yeah well these actions I'm I'm definitely in support of so all right uh, you know I I have this article in here religious experience shrinks the brain and I and I've read it several times but I'm not sure I'm quite ready to talk about it have you guys read it I've read it and it actually seems to be kind of a red herring to me. Well, yeah. it's talking about religious experiences shrinking part of the brain, but it's also talking about people who are non-religious or have no particular affiliation have the same atrophy in the in the hippocampus. So it's really kind of a red herring. Yeah, I, what they're saying is what the article is really saying is that people who have a major religious experience and shift religions or are born again show this atrophy in the hippocampus but so do people who are non-religious well and in the end the um and this is from uh scientific america which I'm, i was kind of surprised about because i was surprised at that sourcing as yeah, well yeah um well i found the article before you posted it here and i was actually debating whether or not to put it in the podcast okay and it was for the same kind of reasons i was looking at debating it's like you know how good of an article is it well, it isn't very good, but and that's one of the reasons I wanted to put it in here is because 
of who the source was. I mean, Scientific America put this up, and I, I'm right. looking at it going, boy, it's really kind of weak. And the ultimate, ultimately, in the end, the conclusion is that, uh, yeah, these things, are, uh, we were, we're observing them happening, but we don't know what they mean. We don't know if it means anything. Um, you know, I, it could be anything. And, and they couldn't even really, they, they made these vague correlations back to religion, but it really, to me, didn't feel substantiated. I was really kind of disappointed in it. So. The only another con- interesting. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the only conclusion that I can really draw from this article is that uh, the week of May thirty first was apparently a really slow week for brain brain articles. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, what were you going to say, Kimberly? Oh, I was going to say the the next article that we had on there has an actual sidebar that also completely refutes it. They say that people who have religious experience have a larger hippocampus right. than others. Well, so. yeah, but that's from the Daily Mail. The Daily yeah. Fail. <laughs> Yeah, Ian. Ian is the one that uh, Ian. Do you spend a lot of time reading the Daily Mail? <laughs> Are you trolling um, it? <laughs> this is stuff I run across and sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll we bet. may need to have an intervention. Yeah, I, I think so. There may need to be an intervention. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. I, the only point I want to make about that is that even Scientific America puts stuff up that it's like, yeah, boy, okay. So, so even though they're typically a good source. You, you got to kind of look at these things deeper than go, hey, look, it's Scientific America. So that was kind of my point by putting it in there, you know. And read past the headlines. Read past the headlines. Yes, absolutely. You've got to read past the headlines. So that was kind of, yeah. That, that's the only point I really wanted to make from, from putting that article in there. So, all right. Atheists have better sex. Tell me about it, Ian. Well, according to this article from the Daily Mail that you guys are dogging me on. <laughs> Um, it claims that atheists have better sex lives than followers of religion who are plagued by with guilt. I'm going to ring in on confirmation bias here. Okay. <laughs> well, let him finish, please. It basically goes in to say that um, people, you know, believers, even in married um, relationships, suppose according to this study, um, do feel guilt after sex and don't feel as fulfilled sexually as um, non-believers do, and. I, you know, it mostly I put it in there because it, um, you know, dealt with sex and religion and, and atheists. You, know, you put it in there because it dealt with podcast. sex and atheists. That's why you put it in there. Of course, of course. <laughs> but you know, I talked strict religions such as Mormons ranked highest. Uh, the average score was eight point nineteen out of ten in, in regards to you feeling guilty about having sex. And this is like I said, this is even married sex according to this. Yeah, it's not you know random sex with whoever. It's with you know, your um, spouse. And it's talking about how, you know, they feel guilty about climaxing themselves with sex. And I, I thought it was interesting. Catholics rated a guilt level of 6.34. Lutherans came in at 5.88. Atheists and agnostics came in at 4.71 and 4.81. So apparently- I'm just, I was actually surprised to see some of those numbers so yeah. high because guilt, it, it's kind of like it's a guilty sin. And, and really, mostly atheists don't really have a concept of sin, right? Well, I think it's society-wise. Even without the sin part, um, our society still has some uh, stuff out there about sex. You know, some real weird things about, you know, it it does quite often seem like we are supposed to feel guilty about enjoying sex. You know, you look at the negative stuff on condoms and stuff. You know, how many movies have you seen where the guy goes in and he's embarrassed as he gets to buy a condom? You know, that's a common thing. We're supposed to have this guiltiness about, you know, wanting to have sex still. And... You know, I, I honestly, I think I've talked about some past podcasts. That's part of the problem why we have some of the issues that we do with sex is because as a society, even outside of the religious aspects, we still teach all this shame about it. Well, that's a uh, 
that's a that's an effect of basically teaching by mass media. I, the stuff you're talking about, the the movies where the guy is extremely guilty and can't even say the word condom and ends up buying something else. Right. Is you know it's usually the province of the comedy movie, and usually the usually the person in this question is a teenager or sexually awkward young adult. Yeah, yeah I don't know. You know, my I, I would like so, to see interesting this, article. Yeah. I don't. I would like to see this. I, I would. I would like a better source to take a look at this and break but it down. How many other articles have pictures of naked people right there? Well, I, I'll give you that. But I'd also like to see the see questionnaire. I, I'd like to see what questions they asked because there's right. no real way to tell. How, how did they gauge this? I guess they had people, you know, tell them. Well, that's, you know, it was definitely self-reporting. Well, that's see, that's the thing. That's the problem is that it it probably is a lot of self-reporting, and we know yeah. the accuracy of that is is usually not very good. Well, the other thing on this is, we don't know where the original study came from either. Well, yeah, they don't source it. This is the Daily Mail, and they're not citing the study itself. It's not their study. They're just saying a study discovered that non-believers are more willing to discuss sexual fantasies and are more satisfied with their experiences. Yeah, so. I I do somewhat believe that. An article like that, it's very believable, even if you look at it critically and say, okay, I want to know more. It's believable because... It, uh, most of this appeals to your bias. If you were a, if you were a Catholic, would this appeal to your bias, and would you feel the same way? I think it would. The Catholics I know have bigger issues about sex. I think they'd look at it and say, okay, that's a good thing that we're feeling guilty about sex because that means we're less likely to um, sin. How dare they do it right? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think no, that I honestly think biased wise, um, some of the believers would actually like that. Say, okay, you see, that shows how sinful athe- um, atheists and agnostics are. They don't understand the guilt that you should feel for having sex. I think yeah, they, they don't okay. even have the the decency to feel bad about it. I think that they would read the article and feel guilty about looking at the naked couple. <laughs> <laughs> But they'd head down to the woman praying in church with the candles. My only problem with that picture is I can't see more of her. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I know. My only problem. But still naked people. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I, I swear that's Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Too tall. Let's move on. Okay. okay. I grow concerned for your, what is this? Craniofacial oh, cranial integrity. Fa- yes. Now, th- I thought this was interesting. Uh, and this one's one I definitely am being very critical okay, so, of because I'm trying to find more on this. Yeah. And the only place I keep finding this is, is here. atheist websites. Okay. Well, this and is. Even there, the Christians that join in are saying, oh my God, you know, how, how ridiculous this is. The, the only thing I could find that was defending this was the Landover Baptist Church website. And the Landover Baptist Church website is a mock website. Yeah, so here's okay. the... Okay, so this is from the Feringula blog. This is written by PC Myers, and this is something that he say, he says was sent to him. And basically, it's an article that, that says that it can prove atheists wrong using science. And so they go through these mathematical hurdles, basically saying that, okay, there, you know, the Earth is... Um, uh, well, that it's true if, that the Earth is 6,000 years old, because... No, 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 that there's six. No, no, no. They say that the Earth is. uh, In here, they say the Earth is three billion years old, which I would say four point three billion. Um, 
and they say, you know, there's seven billion people here, and they go through this. But basically, what they're saying is that we're, we're if if the Earth was that old and there were seven billion people li- living on the Earth for six billion years, that we would have drank up all the water. We would have used all the water, even at a conservative estimate of everybody using two liters per day. And that if the Earth is only six thousand years old, that would explain why the rivers haven't run dry yet. Is that a fair, a fair, you know, kind of sum it's up? It's a fair assessment of. Yeah. It's a fair assessment of the statement. Okay. I think this is a joke. I think this yes, is satire. I'm inclined to think. I'm inclined to think the same thing. I think this was something that was sent. It was something that was originally written tongue in cheek, but the person who sent it to PC Myers may not have thought so. I, I, yeah, well, that's the thing, and that's one reason why I wanted in here. This is this is actually a dangerous kind of thing because it makes it so that we look foolish. The the, the atheists, the skeptics, the people that take this and start commenting on about how, oh my God, can you believe that the believers believe this? And it, and it's like, no, you have to look at it, laugh it off, realize it's probably a joke, although I wouldn't be surprised if there were believers who saw this and tried to use it. But for the most part, I think believers would look at it and say, hey, wait a minute, none of this makes sense. We know how it works. You know, the water doesn't stay in our bodies or we'd all be job with a hut. <laughs> right. You know, so... And so this is kind of a dangerous thing to have out there in some regards without a notification saying, oh, by the way, this is a mock, you know, we made this up. Because it, it is a type of thing that we see and we want to take seriously. And we go, oh, my God, those believers are so stupid. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I didn't even see it that way. I mean, maybe there are a few people that believe this, but, I mean, I, don't, I think everybody, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I, I think that the majority of people would realize that, that we re- right. that you know we that we go to the bathroom and, and urine is water. <laughs> now the reason it works though is because to some degree this is the kind of scientific thinking we've seen from believers. They will overlook huge facts and jump into this weird circle of saying, "Oh well, you know it has to be our way because this small piece of logic and reasoning fits within it, and we'll only look at this small piece and we won't look at anything outside of it." And we have and seen desire, the desire they have too of to try to use science. You know, right. like, look, science proves the Bible and stuff. You know, the Bible right. right here mentions a mountain, and there are mountains, therefore the Bible is true. I mean, they, they you know, they have this kind of weird attitude of, of what facts actually correlate to. And they think if they can find a scientific fact that we can't refute, they will somehow ipso facto prove God. Well, yeah. So, it, it, well, this one might mock- be choked. It's yeah. it's kind of it doesn't it's their thinking that's like this. This is also a follow up one to another post, a similar post that somebody had on Facebook about uh, dear atheists, um, the sun burns without oxygen. Explain that without God. It's like um, nuclear fusion. You know, it's like <laughs> or fission. fission. You know, it's like it, yes, it doesn't take much to do, but it it just kind of speaks, I think, to that desire to have something to hold on to. In, uh, in the believers. But yeah, I, th- I think where, it's mocked too. This, this kind of mock, mockering works because it is, it, it's, it, it, it's, you really think about it, there's nothing believable in it, but you start reading it and your mind starts going, oh my God, do believers really think this way? And it, it does initially trigger some stuff about how stupid are they, but you, know, you get, you start getting through it and you're like, wait a moment, you know, this can't be real. It reminds you know, me an it, awful it lot. It, was, it reminds me an awful lot of those – Brian, you sent me a couple of videos by a guy who was doing like a mock a mock Christian thing on uh, yeah, YouTube. Edward Current. Yes, yeah. and it, it, it reminds me an awful lot of the same type of stuff that he had on there. It's very, very tongue-in-cheek, or it seems to be. I, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, It would be I, interesting I, to find out who initially 
came up with this and see what else they have. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was interesting. Um, I didn't take it seriously, and uh, because it it I mean, but I I, I don't know. I, I I think it's absurd, but I also think you know the idea of a creator is absurd. You know, based on what I've seen. So, I, well, like I said, Brian, I can I, I bet you anything there are believers out there who will read that and they will take it seriously and say, oh, I have proof. Because there's nothing that suggests it's false. And they will, you know, the way it's written and stuff, it is the type of thing that some people will pick up and run with until yeah. they start thinking. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Anything else on that? No. All right. So tell me where Luke Skywalker got his uh, his cybernetic hand from. Oh, it's, it's not where Luke Skywalker oh, got his cybernetic okay. hand. Oh, it's, not but a- it's a... It's a bionic hand that was implanted on an accident victim that does actually take it does actually take signals from the nerves in the in the arm and can move based upon the signals that the brain is sending. Um, it's talking about the fact that it basically draws its impulses from electrodes planted in the arm. It talks about the fact in here that the uh, that it doesn't require batteries, but I don't actually see anything here that says that it doesn't require batteries except in a, a supposition. So I don't know if the hand actually requires a power source independent of uh, of the electricity of the body or not. So but, does it do the cool sound effects? You know, the I doubt it does that. I, 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 I think that... How can they truly call it bionic? Well, it probably costs more than $6 million, too. Um... <laughs> My wife made an interesting point, which is that this is still pretty much elective surgery. And, you know, where's the money going to come from for something like this until it becomes a standard thing? But I think the fact that we've got something that can actually receive impulses from the arm and operate much like a human hand is a great step in the right direction. Yeah. Someday we'll be able to get rid of these mortal bodies. Yes. I fully I fully support any removing any body part that's giving you trouble and replacing it with machinery. And eventually it will become GoBots. Possibly. <laughs> that was a good pause there. Yeah, was it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's um Ian, tell me about treatment denial. Well, this is actually kind of a follow-up to one we've done before. In fact, the one we've done before is mentioned in this article. Right. And this were... is in um Miss Magazine. It's called Treatment Denied and it's um to me, it shows the how scared we should be of the Catholic Church. Well, okay, um, but before you get to that over, point, tell me about the article. To tell me what's going yeah. on here. Um, a woman was rushed to the doctor's office. Um, she was uh, three months pregnant. Her amniotic sac had torn. The nurse hospital had merged with the Catholic hospital, and the doctors um, could still detect a fetal heartbeat. And so they weren't allowed to um, complete the miscarriage. Basically, she had miscarried. The child was not going to survive. There's no way. But not at three months, no. So the, 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 um, they basically said, okay, well, we can't do anything. If you die because of this, so be it. You know, so they um, had to travel another 80 miles to the nearest hospital to get the proper procedure done to save the woman's life. Right, and of course she didn't have insurance, but it was part yeah. of this. So. Now, yeah. the doctor at the hospital... Who, who apparently was not allowed to do it, gave her $400 of his own cash um, so that she could pay for it at the next hospital. Because apparently the doctor didn't necessarily disagree with doing it, but because the Catholic hospital had merged with his hospital and took over, he was not allowed to do certain procedures like that. Right. You know, I can understand if hospitals don't want to do abortions. 
I, I get that. But when the choice is between saving the mother and saving, you know, a, a, a well, in this case, it wasn't saving the right. child's life. It was going to die. Right. Yeah. The choice was between saving the mother's life and um, waiting for the child to just die as it will within a few hours, which would probably kill the mother as well. Right. So in, in these kinds of cases, this is really, I think, goes against the Hippocratic Oath. I think so, too. Um, and so I think, I, I mean, really, it, it goes against what these people are going to, to school for, to, you know, the, when they get their medicine degree, what, what they say, the, the morals that they say they're going to uphold, it goes against them in, the, in these kinds of cases. Well, I could make an argument here that uh, not assisting with the miscarriage actually goes against God's will. But we have talked about um, this stuff before, and it you know, mentions – I'm pretty sure it's the same one we talked about. It is, where, where, they, where, um, they, where they had to perform – you know, basically they either had to take the child or lose the child and the mother. Right, and, and they, the, they said the, go ahead and um, take the child, and the, the nun involved was um, excommunicated. excommunicated. You know, she so saved a life, but hey, how dare you save a life by – Kill another one that was going to die anyways. Yeah. So, and it talked about some other issues like that um, being becoming common now. It seems because uh, it it seems like the Catholic institutions are trying to take over a large chunk of um, the um, medical business here, and it's it's scary. It really is. And the sad thing is that they've got such a such an inflexible religion that there's no leeway. Well, the other yeah. thing is that they're pushing their morals. Onto other people who have not accepted their morality. Exactly. And like, this isn't even to me a moral question. This is a, a common sense question. Well, no, save the mother's life. The kid's dead already. It, it's a regretful thing. I don't know. I think but, it is a moral question. I think to, to not help this person and to let them die because they're trying to save the fetus is immoral. Okay. Yeah, well, they're true. not even trying to save the fetus. Well, no, they're not. They're There's just, no way that a three month a three month term can survive. There's no way that that's there's not there's not even a chance that that's a premature. That's that's something that cannot absolutely positively cannot survive outside the womb. Right. And so with the amniotic sac torn, yeah, no, I get doing is prolonging the death. They're not saving the life. Well, and they're risking right. and they're and they're risking a person by doing so. So yeah, I have uh, yeah, I don't like it. Well, it does. I mean, it brings up the point of of how you define a person, and we've had the laws that they've tried to put on the books here in Colorado. I think almost every election term in the last few, of they want to define a, a human being, a person, as a fetus, and I, I think there almost needs to be the opposite. Have to go on and say, you know, a person does not include a fetus, so that when it comes down to who do you save. It's very right. clear that you save the person. Right. The problem is we're well, dealing also, with people who think that that clump of cells is a person. They right. want to yeah, define the personhood laws, from conception. Right. The way those laws read, um, any doctor performing um, any kind of artificial insemination stuff should be arrested then because they make a lot of um, eggs and they take a couple of the ones that are viable and put them up there. The rest of them are officially called medical waste. If th those kind of laws were passed, no doctor would dare try the in vitro fertilization stuff because I mean, we're, we're breaking the laws every time we do that. Sorry, you're just going to have to live without being able to have kids. Well, and a woman better not have a menstrual cycle either. Ooh. <laughs> it, it it does go on to a lot of very very silly things that you know right. I, I think really destroy their argument very quickly. But you know, again, it's it's the fact that we allow this kind of 
crappy thinking to go on that, you know, we even have to, what's the word, respect their beliefs or whatever. And, you know, and when it comes to hospitals especially, like, you know, Brian, you mentioned earlier, you you sounded like you were kind of alluding to the fact, well, it's their hospital, they should choose what they want to do and not do. And I believe that in a personal business, if you want to run your own business and have whatever rules you want within the confines of your store and ser- serve only these people or not these people or whatever, I think free market will basically run you out of business if you're crazy about it. But we're talking about hospitals, and they don't okay. follow the same kind of thing. Right. And so you know, we live in Denver, so it's not a big deal. We have choices, right. but a lot of people don't have of choices course. in situations. You like know, this. that's a good point that I did not think about. I didn't think about the fact that this may be the only hospital these people have access to. Because well, that's what they were saying. It was the closest hospital right. to them at the time. The next one was eighty miles away. Right, and here, and you're right. Here in Denver, I, there, there's uh, from where I sit. That I can I can reach four within a half hour or or less. So that that is there's, an excellent point. There's parts of Denver where you can't throw a rock without hitting three three hospitals with it. But I do hate so. this. I I do hate to tell a facility, um, that they can't that they have to do something that they find that 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 goes against their morals. But on the other hand, if they're the only facility in the area. Uh, maybe maybe that's not an option. I, yeah. it, it gets complicated. Yeah, it and, and you can also see this in um, pharmacies and stuff. The pharmacies that refuse pharmacists who believe that they should not be forced to give out um, the, morning you know, the, after the morning after pill and stuff like that, or even contraceptives because it goes against their religion. Again, on one hand, you want to say, yeah, they're, they're free human beings. They get to do whatever they want. On the other hand, if you have no choice but to get drugs you need from this place because of locality, We've we've overstepped a line, and and it oh, kind of almost yeah, makes okay. you think: should we should we be giving this much leeway? Now I'm really conflicted. Well, now when see, I my, at Walmart, my... there was we were still selling guns. Walmart was still selling guns at the time. There was a guy in the sporting goods department who refused to sell guns to anyone, and that was you know part of his job. And so you, you know there are people that have to figure out: hey, wait a minute, if it's going to be part of my job. And I disagree with it morally. Maybe that shouldn't be my job. Maybe I should go and find something else to do, like the pet department. <laughs> yeah. Um, my my question and my concern on this is, we're seeing a big we're we're seeing a big inrush apparently of Catholic, uh, basically co- hospitals becoming house Catholic hospitals because of an endowment, and it's it's clear that. The reason that this is happening is because a lot of these hospitals can't survive otherwise, and it looks like this is one of one such hospital that couldn't survive without actually merging with the Catholic hospital. You know, but is should the government say that hospitals must provide these services? And and I mean, I know, think I, that I think that the government. I, I think that the government should say that in situations where a person's life is in danger, that they need to provide that care. Okay, and I and I I think that that's probably a good point. But okay, what about my insurance won't pay for certain treatments? Should they be mandating insurance must pay for all of these treatments as well? What type of treatments? Well, you know that that that's a good question. Where does it end? That is a good. Well, question. Well, but in, although ins- insurance paying for it and it not being available at any cost are two different things too. I, I don't want to. I, okay. I hear what you're saying. And right. I'm conflicted as well. I don't want to dictate to people you must do anything your beliefs be damned. But at the same time, if it is legal to do it, I shouldn't have to have the burden of having to go hundreds of miles to get it done. So, but I, you know, I, I really do. I, I cringe at the thought of of 
enforcing a rule that says you have no choice, you must do X, Y, and Z, regardless, because it's legal. But at the same time, I, I can't imagine the horror of going through a situation like this woman went through where she's stuck in a cab for 80 miles to go take care of something where, like, you know, she mentions in there her fertility's at risk, her life's at risk. It's already a traumatic situation. You know, well, when I hear that story, I do want to go ahead and force people to do things yeah, I, again. Yeah, I, uh, I don't <laughs> have a this, good answer. Was this poor woman bleeding the entire time that she was in the cab? Because that's just inhumane. Well, they probably fixed her up enough so that she could make the trip. I, well, I, I hope, right? I we mean, don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we don't know. I, I, I got to think that this doctor didn't want to send her away, but he felt like he had to. Because if he had done it, he would have been in the same situation as the hospital in Arizona is, where the Catholic Church said, okay, we're done with you. And and so he he's got to protect the hospital and his job, you know. Yeah. I mean, so whoa, you know whoa. he could detect a fetal heartbeat. I'm thinking, you know, what if he didn't detect the fetal heartbeat? Well, okay, there's that, right? But now, now, but now there's the morality of lying. Well, we got an article about that later. <laughs> now there's, I mean, it, it's a huge can of worms issue, and and yeah. you know, like somebody also mentioned, I mean, if it's a matter of the hospital being there at all. Or not being able to even stay open without this thing, without the Catholic endowment. You know, again, you, you struggle. I would love to say, you know what? Maybe religion sh- shouldn't own hospitals. Like that seems like a fairly straightforward thing to, in my mind. But then if you or tell me, well, there's not going to be a hospital for 200 miles because we can't otherwise afford it. Now I'm like, yeah, shit, I got to do it. If a religion it. wants to, if a religion wants to endow a hospital for the public good, they don't. They shouldn't need to have to enforce their their morals in order to do it. Why not? If they it's want to endow a hospital for for the good of humanity, that's what religion is for. Is to help yes, but that money. The, yes, but the money that went to the Catholic Church came from their parishioners. Their parishioners give that to the Catholic Church, thinking that that there are certain things that that their money would not be used for. And abortion, I guarantee you, is one of them. And okay. so, so now you it's go a, back it's to it's a rough argument. Yeah, it's a fair I, argument. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, but you know, here it, down further in the article, it talks about the fact that it also covers issues such as ectopic pregnancies. An ectopic pregnancy can be fatal. Ectopic pregnancy is basically where the fertilization happens in the fallopian tube. Right, okay. and that can well, be fatal. And that's one problem with such a um, cut and dry set of right and wrong is you end up forgetting the gray areas. Like, no, there are times where the abortion is the best choice. You don't have to like abortion. You don't have to think abortion is good. You don't have to think abortion is a, a, a proper birth control. But there are times where, hey, you know what? We have to do it because it's the right choice. It's the best thing to do in order to save a life. You know, the thing because, I'm noticing you know, is, you know, not, we're, we're all we're, we're all kind of talking from the same positions here. We're all trying to figure out how to skate that gray line, and and it's difficult to do. I mean, none of us here, n- none of the, the four of us have disagreed with each other, really. We're just trying yeah. to figure out where how, how do you draw the lines, and there's no good way to do this. Well, like I said, that's the problem with um, having it all black and white, you know. Oh, all stealing is bad. No, there are times where, you know, a starving family, if they steal a loaf of bread— I'm not going to say they sinned. I'm not going to say they did anything wrong because, you know, if that bread's feeding them, keeping them alive, I'm not going to um, criticize them for stealing if they have to do it to survive. Yeah, but what if the there baker can't feed the his... family is evil. Well, what if the baker can't feed his his ch- children that night because he didn't make the money from that bread? And so he had to cover all the rest of his costs. 
And you see, once more, that's where the gray areas start coming in, you know. And it it does that. And I, 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 you know, agree with you there also. But you look at religion, they have so much stuff that this is good, this is bad. There can't be any in between. Everything on this side is white and perfect and everything. Everything on this side is black, dark, evil. And it's like uh, most of your morals can cross over. And you guys even do it. I mean, you know, you read the Bible, God says thou shalt not kill him, and tells everyone, oh, but you can kill in my name in order to promote um, belief in me. All right. Well, you know what? And the Bible also says an eye for an eye. Okay. So let's so, move on to our next story. On to the next segue. one. Which wow, is a very we have little... transitions now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank we you. try to do that. <laughs> and in and this then, case, and then... it's a perfect one because um, right. the next article literally is talking about the idea of an eye for an eye. Literally. Yes. Um, the article called 11th Hour Reprieve for Iranian Man Sentenced to Have Acid Injected into His Eyes by Woman He Blinded. Wow. And this is, and this is once so again, is from you, is, you reading the Daily Fail. Is this the Daily Mail? No, this is Mail Online. No, it's the Daily it's Mail. It's the Daily Mail. It's the Daily it's Mail. Okay. You Daily have Mail. a problem, sir. These are, I don't even look at the sources half the time. I admit That's that. The, well, this one... Okay, the story is an Iranian man who um, had a thing for this young woman um, who rejected him. He responded by throwing acid in her face. So he was sentenced um, to being blinded by having acid injected into his face by her. Right. Ten drops of acid into each eye. Yeah. Um, It's one of those really twisted ones where you're like, where, where does justice end and where does it, you know, how does it work? Because I'm not sure if that would have been justice. I'm not, you know, especially you, you look at the lady. Yes, he's pretty badly scored and it has to be traumatic. But would she actually feel better about herself if she caused someone else blindness? Well, well she, she does she, think so. Actually, she talks about in the article that she doesn't want to do this for revenge. She wants to do this to make sure it doesn't happen to somebody else. See, but how does it do well, that? Well, that won't make sure it doesn't happen to someone else. I mean, this is revenge. I mean, that's that. I mean, it, I it, it's going to some dark places. It really is, and you feel very sorry for her. You know, I, I mean, you look at the pictures of her before; she was attractive. You know, and yeah, she, she was looked a pretty happy lady. and everything, and. You know, it's really sad what happened to her. You know, there's no doubt of that. It's traumatic. It's horrid. You know, there's no doubt at all this guy needs to be locked up and not allowed into civilized society because, you know, he might be dangerous. But just blinding him isn't going to stop him. No. And it, I don't know, it just it was a bit of a disturbing story to me the way it comes out. It's like, okay, you know, I, I've never liked the eye for an eye thing because I forget what movie had it, but you do an eye for an eye, soon everyone's going to be blind. You know, that, that's how gang wars start. Oh, you killed one guy, I get to kill yours. Hey, wait a minute, you killed our guy, I'll kill yours back. And it yeah. goes, you know, there's no end to it. So, the, they, you know, it, it's really a poor notion to begin with and to have a legal system that backs that up. But this is well, another one where you look at that picture and you're like, she she deserves something. Yeah, yes. well, and that's the hard thing with um, some ideas of justice. Would that really be justice to allow her to put the um, acid in his eye? You know, what really is justice in this case? It won't make, it won't fix anything. You know, she blinds him. Okay, she's still going to have all those the scarring. She's still going to, you know, have gone through it all. It's not going to go away. Yeah, I'm... and I, I honestly, and that's I rational, but but I, I mean. Gosh, if if that happened to me, 
you know, I, I, I don't know exactly what I would do or what I would think. I, you know, the, the better part of me was, is just like, that's not real justice. Justice should be served better than that. And then there's another that's part another of me that problem. that guy wouldn't have made it to the trial. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I, I, you know, I here's one it. of the things I like about this, though, is that she is determined to carry this out. Everybody's telling her. You know, they're telling her they don't think they should do. She should do this. She's got community pressure. She's got her parents against her. They they say that they don't they don't agree with the judge's decision. But she's determined to carry this out. This is what she needs. I don't know if it'll make her feel any better, but it's, it's what, what she, she believes in. She it's what she believes in. Yeah, it's what she believes she needs. I honestly, I, I don't think it'll make her feel better. I would think afterwards, um, you know, nothing would have changed. Her whole life is going to be the same no matter what. But by doing it, I would hope she has enough humanity left that she would actually have a level of guilt there for doing it. You know, the other thing is, is that remember we're we're coming about this from an American perspective. But we're we're coming at this from I would American his perspective. Before I'd question hers. Well, I would, yeah, no, there's no doubt of his. But I'm saying after she's done it, if she still has, if she really has a sense of humanity left, what kind of guilt is she going to have to live with for the rest of her life? Still not seeing where her humanity would have gone. Well, I don't know. But here's the thing is that this is the law of the land, right? Yeah. This is not a surprise to him. He lived there. He, he, you know, he should have an idea of the repercussions of of that society. What did he expect to happen? I mean, we don't know what he's saying about it. Maybe he's saying I deserve it. Hmm. I don't know. This is another one that's that's difficult. We don't we don't have all the information here. We've been given a limited amount of information. This article is definitely made it skewed to make us, you know, um, feel sorry for the for the victim. We don't really it know is. much about the other side of this case. Maybe there's a lot more to this than we realize. I mean, it it definitely seems very much like you know he, he malicious. Um, but man, I'd like to hear the other side of this before I before I would cast judgment. Hmm. I, I think it just brings up those, you know, just the same way that the the church owning the hospital kind of thing just brings up how cloudy and an area ethics is. You know, we all seem to think we know what it is. We all seem to know what right and wrong is. We don't really have any question that we know what right and wrong is. But you can really feel for this person. You can really understand. Like I said, if I was in this situation, I I would think that my base instinct would be to want to blind this guy. I can understand where she's coming from. I don't sure. know if it's the right thing to do, but I get it. Oh, and I'm, I'm coming from a spot. I'm coming from a spot that says that in in Iran, any time a woman gets justice for something, clap. <laughs> There's that too. Point. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, C- can we move on to something a little lighter? Please. Yeah, a little lighter. Jeez. Bigfoot's lighter. Way too heavy for a summer day. Yeah, man. Ian, you get the award for, like, morally depressing for the week. Yep. <laughs> okay, so let, let's light it up a little. Let, let's go looking for Bigfoot, shall we? Yay. And Why? I, and I've been looking for Bigfoot for the last, like, at least two weeks. You have? Yeah, hey, oh, Absolutely. I started. I started. Oddly enough, I still haven't found. But man, I have found lots of fuzzy pictures. <laughs> well, Bigfoot is reported to be fuzzy, so the pictures no. probably are accurate. No, one of these explains that because Bigfoot crosses over from another dimension, you can never take a clear picture of him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here, here's the the. This one is um uh Channel Seven News from here in Denver. And uh, this this one caught me because uh, I, I look for, like, Bigfoot stories in Colorado and everything, and this one showed up. This one is from Colorado Springs. Um, this this gentleman, uh, Daniel Mesa, Ma- Massa, 
Macias. Macias. Okay. Would be how I would pronounce it. All right. He um he has uh he has this blurry picture that he put up of Bigfoot, and um it I mean it there, there's something there you know but okay. I can't tell you what it is other than the picture is like a lot of these photos uniformly blurry. Yes. It looks like it's been blurred. I don't know. Maybe he just has really bad equipment. But this gentleman um, first saw Bigfoot in his area back in 1982. It was his first Bigfoot sighting. So he's been looking for Bigfoot ever since. So he's got cameras set up and everything like that. And they asked him, well, okay, with all of the modern technology that's out there, why are there no good photos of Bigfoot? And he says, well, because they're coming through wormholes. Okay. Okay. That, that, well, it's an explanation. But it isn't an explanation. Why would the fact that they're coming through wormholes explain why all the photos are blurry? I don't get that. I don't get that connection. That explains why we can't find bodies and we can't find them walking around. But if they're coming through the wormholes, why can't we get a decent photo of them? I, I don't think it does explain why all the photos are blurry. And so then, yeah, he, but, you know, we make the appeal that, hey, he's not the only one that's seen Bigfoot. This ranger, Ken French, has seen a Bigfoot. And I went and I watched his video, and he says, yeah, I, uh, I you know, I saw this creature, yada, yada. And he went as far as to put up a Bigfoot um, uh, crossing sign up at Pikes Peak. So okay. I haven't, I haven't seen that sign. But it seems like I should go up to drive up Pikes Peak just to take a picture of it. It seems like something, if it's still there. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, what I'm seeing on this article, he's talking about, he says, it's less than six feet tall. The footprints they left behind were not human-like. First of all, all the other reports that I've seen about Bigfoot have said that the tracks are much like a human foot. So I would like to know if the tracks are not human-like. I'd like to know what they are like. Sure. Are they bear-like? Because if they're bear-like, I may have maybe a better explanation than the Bigfoot thing. Well, and the sizes that he gives are 12 inches and 7 inches. So presumably he went out there and measured them in the snow. All right. Are they elk-like? Are they <laughs> deer-like? You know, I don't know. There's seven inches well, and twelve inches. Well, he's also gotten pictures of alien. Yeah, he has it. Yes, he also claims that one of the pictures he has is of an alien. And he has a motion sensor camera set up to try and capture pictures of Bigfoot. And yeah, so they have yes. the blurry photo um, of the alien caught on film, and you enlarge the photo, and you have a a blurry photo. I don't see an alien. I don't know what it's. Um, it looks more like a shower curtain to me, or something, right? I, I don't know. I, I I do know that I I I'm highly doubtful that there's an alien there. Maybe, and maybe that's what aliens look like. I don't know. I can kind of see an orb kind of in there, maybe. Has he had his video checked? Has he had his picture checked by Stan Roman? I, I don't know. That's, that's I'm just a good asking. Question, right? He's the expert. All right. So so that so that was kind of interesting. I was like, okay, well, let's keep going, right? So I found the, um, this this uh, the Spokane Bigfoot. So this, uh, um, this sorry, somebody's got their video feed open or something. It's very soothing music going on. Is that from? Or me? am I the only one who hears that? I think you're the only one. I don't hear it. Okay, then it's, it's me. All Sorry. All <laughs> if it was me, we well, all hear it. soothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't hear it. Um, so I found this Spokane Bigfoot, and so these people were hiking in the woods, and they were filming themselves hiking. I don't know why. And and when they got the footage home and they were looking at, they saw something moving in the back. So they put it up as a Bigfoot. They got 
all sorts of coverage and everything like that. And then later, they put up the making of the film. It was a total hoax. Yeah. And well, what- now, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Okay. I think the making of that you found here is this is somebody <laughs> else showing how Showing how easy it would be to make that. Not necessarily that this is theirs. Oh, is it? Not? I thought they were connected. No, it's no, just showing how so. easy it would be to fake it. Okay. They were showing that, yeah, what what's on the camera there could easily be that um, nothing but a person all in black just walking. Because, you know, and they showed exactly how that would look. Okay. And it does look exactly It does like look exactly the same, foot. right? Uh, and all they had is a hoodie, uh, a black hat. And yeah. Honestly, I looked at the I looked at the Spokane video. You know what it looked like to me? It looked like I, I was looking to see if I could see the outline of a bicycle because it looked like somebody maybe riding a, a mountain bike or a trail bike with the way the legs were moving and the uh, the move, the motion of the arms. It looked like somebody was riding a bicycle. So it isn't – I thought that there was the same – okay. I, I no. guess I, I, I interpret that wrong. Anyway, it, it, I mean it does kind of look like just somebody walking through the woods in the background. Yeah, and it, I mean, how, why it would be Bigfoot? I don't know. Yeah, why? Why assume that it's Bigfoot when the more, you know, Occam's razor here, the most likely recog- the most likely explanation is it's some guy, somebody walking. Right. Yeah, but that's boring. Or 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 biking. Boring. You get right. videos boring. with some weird little guy in the corner. It has to be something unique. Remember a ghost video from the cemetery? Yes. Yeah, of course, that you know, had to that have been That can't be just a off. kid climbing a tree and drop down from it. It has to be a ghost. <laughs> exactly. So the next one was the Marble Mountain Bigfoot that I found. And this is this one's interesting because they do kind of a um, – the, the, the video is – uh-oh, there's a problem with the call. We lost Mac. No, I'm here. Oh. I'm here. Ian? I think we lost Ian. Yeah, it's trying to recall Ian. Mm. Um, Looks like he's he's back up. All right. Are you there, Ian? Ian, are you there? I think Bigfoot clearly abducted him. by Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Sasquatch is sodomizing him in his basement even as we speak. Says he's online. Is he trying well, to... at least we know from the earlier article that he will be guilt-free and enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my computer oh. dropped me out. You guys are talking about what now? <laughs> we were talking about the fact that I could hear you being sodomized by Bigfoot in your basement. <laughs> Okay. You don't seem to have screamed yourself too hoarse, so I guess you're all right. Yeah. So have you have you guys watched this video? I've watched it. Okay. And I I would have to say that what they found is clearly a debris shelter constructed by by big some unknown creature, but could possibly be I don't know. Leap in logic, humans could have could have constructed that. You think? Would you say I mean, that because found, of the... they might have found somebody's hunting blind? They <sighs> might have found some homeless person's. Uh, you know, shelter. Okay, so here, the, what I'm thinking is, uh, so here's this shelter, and the way that they're talking about it is some creature, some creature. Right from the start, it's some creature's shelter, and there's, but then they, then they show me the fire pit. There's a fire pit over here. So okay. Bigfoot has fire. But they said they, they said there's no evidence there's ever been fire in it. So why is it a fire pit? I, I that's there's a good never question, been fire right? in it. Why is it a fire pit? It definitely looks like a fire pit. It does, but apparently, according to what they said, there's no evidence there's ever actually been fire. So in the fire pit. So Bigfoot built the fire pit, but never used it. Right. 
I didn't know he Bigfoot. probably just entertains there on the weekends. <laughs> there you go. You know, when he wants some cue. Um, yeah, so they're looking around this shelter, and then all of a sudden, they see it on the ridge. There's they Bigfoot. They see it on the, on the ridge, ridge, and it looks an awful lot like a guy in a jacket to me. But, you know, clearly they were on the scene, so they were more in a position to tell that it was something furry okay, with long arms. But they had to zoom way in. You really couldn't see it from the naked eye. I mean, when no. you're looking at the ridge, you can't really see anything, so you have to zoom in hard. And they have something up there, and, of course, you know, he's angry, he's jumping up and down, this and that. He looks to me like he's walking down the hill. That's kind of what it looks like. And so what's interesting, though, is that – so. That, that, why they didn't try to get closer? They didn't try to get a better picture. It's blurry. If he was angry and coming down the hill at them, they didn't try to get away either. Well, that's true. They they're just gonna let Bigfoot walk towards him. I mean, what, apparently, what, apparently. So, and if you were Bigfoot, would you walk towards the fifteen people hanging around your nest? I think not. I think I'd go somewhere else. Oh, I think I'd pick up a bunch of big rocks and toss them down that way. Are you a Wookiee but... or a Bigfoot? Okay, I, I'm I'm picturing myself as Bigfoot. No, I'm thinking I'd throw rocks. Oh, okay, all right. But um, what would Chewie do? That's what I want to know. What would Chewie do? WWCD. Um, you know, the only valid point I thought that they had there was that the pieces of the pieces of wood that were broken off. They were saying there was there were no tool marks on them. I couldn't tell for sure, but they were too thick to have been broken by human strength. You know what? Wind and weather will snap that kind of stuff. Yeah, it might not there have been is that. Too, yeah, so and they're talking about oh look, there are claw marks on the trees. Those weren't claw marks. Those were splits in the bark, which uh, it looked like either birch or aspen. Well, and how come a but, bear – it could have been a bear that came along at some point. It and, didn't even look like claw marks. It looked like splits in the bark, and that's right. something that both those types of trees are prone to have happen. Well, how many mammals have claws anyway? I mean – well, I guess primates. How many primates have claws like that anyway that, that could do that? No primates have claws I, like that. Exactly. So that's kind of interesting too. So now Bigfoot has fire and has claws like a bear. Yeah, and there's another explanation well, that we haven't looked into. Wasn't one of these articles talking Over about how basically – I saw an article talking about how these creatures basically become whatever we think they are. Oh, I don't know. I, that was, It's one of those weird things. So if we decide Bigfoot has claws and whatever, he's going to have claws and whatever. Right. And so, when we finally discover him, that's what he'll have. So the interesting thing I thought about so, this is watching the analysis. You know, they, they want to tell me that Bigfoot is over eight feet tall. But when you look at the video, they are way far away. When they did the analysis and they did the video, they were they were much closer. You could see much more detail in the branches and everything. So the perspective was different with a lot of this kind of stuff. They, they're claiming that Bigfoot was stepping down two feet and all this, and they went and kind of measured it. But the perspectives that they used to do their measuring were far different than the perspectives of the original video. Plus, they had yeah. different equipment. So I, their analysis they, was – I give them kudos for actually going to the – Going there and you know trying to do an analysis, but if they'd wanted to do that, they needed to do it with the exact same perspectives, and they did yes. not do that. So the next thing was that this I came across this article. So there's been a lot of flooding on the Missouri River. So Bigfoot researchers are down on the Missouri looking for Bigfoot, and this the the thing that just killed me about this article was. Well, it was all of the knowledge that they claim to have about a creature that's never been documented to exist. Like the fact that it follows the river paths? Right, that it stays near water. Um, that that it's, 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 not a, it's not aggressive. Right. 
Although I think we could probably assume, I think there's probably a good argument to say that this creature, if it exists, is not aggressive because, you know, otherwise we'd have a lot more Bigfoot deaths per year. <laughs> we might have a body then. Yeah, we might. So, yeah, so this, so the article claims to have a lot of knowledge. And so um, I, I, I tweeted the article and said, hey, <laughs> you know, this is a lot of knowledge for a creature that doesn't seem to exist. And so this lady, Sharon Hill, um, from Pennsylvania, who does a lot of this kind of stuff, she wrote up a review of the article, which I, was I thought was fantastic. Um, and but what was funny about that is that you know some of the comments were on there is that you know she'll never be satisfied until we have a body, and I'm thinking, yeah, until we have a body or even some poop, where's the poop? Right. Well, well like, clearly remember, they do their business well, in the other dimension. The other dimension they come I from. Know. They apparently don't poop here. They poop in the other dimension, the other galaxy. You know what? So Bigfoot has never come to this dimension and had the runs. Well, apparently what I'm guessing it does is it likes to hang out here because if it's pooping in the other dimension, its other galaxy, it probably gets kind of smelly. So it comes here where there's fresh air and not around its own poop. So now I'm, guessing, only... it, I'm guessing it doesn't eat here because then it would certainly you know, have a tendency <laughs> to poop here. Right. So here, here are these articles, one claiming to have wormholes, right? And another claiming all this information that could not possibly have been documented. It's not like Bigfoot has been observed to document all this information that they are claiming. Yeah, it's not like a Yeti. Right. <laughs> it's not like Sasquatch. So anyway, I had fun with Bigfoot this week. It just, it, I, I, it's just, I mean, Bigfoot's interesting. Bigfoot would be cool, right? Because there is an ape. That is that that fits the height that is extinct that could kind of fit Bigfoot, you know, when you kind of look at it. You're talking about the Gigantopithecus. Yeah, is it, which is actually not so much an ape as a protohominid. It was along the same line. It was the same time frame as the Australopithecus and um, all the different Australopithecines, but it was a protohominid. Okay, but it was huge. Right, and it was it was considered to be an uh, an ecological death dead end, so an evolutionary dead end. We yeah, don't, so. in other words, I guess they in the line of descent of man, they don't consider Gigantopithecus to be part of that descent. Right. So, but I mean, I, I don't know. I find Bigfoot interesting, but it's just amazing the amount of knowledge that these people have claimed. Actually, you know who we should have had on here for the Bigfoot thing? Who's that? I wish we could have had Eric on here for the big. Oh thing. yeah, actually that would have been good. Eric would have been yeah. He he is definitely the uh, the guy to ask about this stuff. But all right, all right, so Bigfoot was fun. I had a good time looking for Bigfoot. I I still haven't found him. Just a bunch of fuzzy pictures. He's probably hiding in your closet. But more importantly, what I'd like to know next is Bigfoot gonna still be here after 2012? Well, according to Dolores Cannon, what's going to happen? In 2012, the, it's not the destruction of the Earth or anything like that. The Earth is going to move into the fifth dimension, and then we'll all have enlightenment and stuff. And so my, my theory is, I told you about this, is the whole Bigfoot um, wormhole thing, other dimensions and such. The truth is there's going to be more Bigfoot sightings between now and then as we get closer to this fifth dimension because the big feet, the uh, Sasquatches, whatever, however you the plural of them, are going to be able to cross over more because they're apparently on the. I'm, I'm guessing they're on this fifth dimension that the whole Earth is going to jump into. And so when we cross over fully, we're going to have um, to figure out how to share the world with um, big feet. Okay, so what we're talking about is this lady, um, uh, Dolores Cannon, who scarily enough might be related to me, as apparently she was born in St. Louis, Missouri. 
And that's where I'm initially from, and my last name is Cannon. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. But um, he's a well, yeah, but your your last name is Cannon because you're such of a gun, such a son of a gun. <laughs> so she is a regression therapist, author, and speaker. Yes, um, and if you read her site, she uh, currently she's also investigated UFOs and craft circles. Um. She's working. Where is it? And she, yeah, we already talked about her writing. Um, okay, but she gets her knowledge from doing past life regressions on people. Right. I mean, that, so that's where all this information that she's claiming, all the knowledge that she has claimed to acquire in her research is from past life regressions. She's a hypnotherapist. And so she's regressing people and getting this information about these beings, the Mayans. That have, uh, have come back to Earth to help people with the change, and and there's this second Earth that that is being built, it's being prepared because the current Earth that we're living on has become too polluted and basically morally corrupt. And so what's going to happen is that people that so all these things are um, this new Earth is at a different frequency. So the people that are kind of have moved over and are operating in this new frequency are all going to go to this new earth while everybody else who hasn't gotten to that level yet will stay on this one. And this is distinguished from the rapture in what way again? Well, these people are just well, going it, to a new earth. It's the Mayan rapture. <laughs> the oh, okay. Yeah, it sounds a lot like the same old story of, uh, it, you know, it, if you're cool and if you're spiritually you know, and you've contributed enough money, you get to go with us into special space paradise. Yes. But what I want to know is so basically all this stuff that we've what we've got is making us operate at the wrong frequency. And so by going to this new earth, we're going to operate at the proper frequency. But didn't power balance already solve this for us? We don't know if power balance is on the right frequency for the new earth. Uh, we don't have Dolores <laughs> okay. Cannon's word on this okay. one way or the other. All right. We need to actually write her and find out if power balance does put you in line for this new earth or not. You know what? We should. Okay, email, so that, that's you know what? That's what we should we're do. we're all out of line. You see, in 2012, when we go over to the right earth, power balance will actually work. <laughs> That's yeah, possibility. They have to put that on yet. They have to put that into the sales. Pitch. I like, think well, we need to. I think we need to email her and find out about this. Who wants to do that? Find out if homeopathy is going to work on New Earth too. Right? Is it going to resonate properly? Yes. It's interesting that that's one thing. That but seems since to be this very is popular. since this is Maya New Earth, does that mean that? You know, those of us who actually go to the new earth will get there by sacrificing those of the, those of them who are not going to the new earth on top of a giant pyramid. Um, no, actually, she didn't say that. But one of the things that is very interesting, though, is that these beings that have come to live here, they don't exactly know why they're in these bodies. But the good thing is, is that they have karma shields. They cannot accumulate karma when, when they come here. So okay. this, this is important because you have to rid yourself of all your karma before you can go to the new earth. So they're lucky that they have their karma shields to I protect them. Karma is both good and bad. Well, apparently not. Apparently, karma is something you don't want. You don't want karma because that makes it so you're not operating at the proper frequency. So you, so you have to shed yourself of karma. And one of the things that, that will get you karma, and uh, and uh, so, Kimberly, you're in good shape for this, is uh, kids. You, you get oh. lots of karma from having kids. So if you don't have kids, you, you're going to have less karma than, than some of the rest of us. 
Man, my plan worked out. Yes, you were in good shape. <laughs> does uh, does power balance <laughs> make a karma shield? I don't know if they make a karma shield. That that's the next bracelet we need to sell is the uh, karma shield bracelet. I think so. And I, we also need to find out if I actually do need to carve somebody's beating heart out of their chest in order to ascend to the new earth. I think that would give you karma. I think that would actually be a bad idea. I think it would only give me karma if I feel bad about it. Oh, I say we do it and see what happens. <laughs> well, I guess, what are the rules for accumulating karma now? All right. <sighs> Shall we go ahead and end it on that note? I, I think I, I think we've beaten that one as much as we can. Well, no, that's not true. We could beat this even further. We could. I, I think we should contact her and find out find out the particulars of the new Earth. Find out what she knows. All right. And are you saying that you want to move the psychic stuff? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want. I. To. I am saying let's move the psychic stuff to next week because we're already over an hour. Are so. we really? How far? Off? Well, here's the. I don't know. This has been covered everywhere else. I don't know that it really needs to be covered by. I, I'll, I'll do it real quick. It basically, um, the, this lady called in a psychic tip to a uh, county in, in Texas, and and they have to respond to every tip. And uh, so they went out and they responded. They didn't find anything at the first house. The lady calls back and says that, no, 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 you got the wrong house. No, she's a psychic and she had a vision. And she was able to accurately, you know, talk about, I guess, the inside of the house or something. And so they went back to the second place. They found blood on the porch, and there was a rotting smell. So they right. thought, okay, so so they had enough circumstantial evidence that, that they, you know, were able to get a warrant and do an investigation, which they were able to do. Um, the blood was from the um, daughter's ex-fiance who was AWOL from the Army. One of, one of the uh, armed services and and is now in a uh, in a facility, and so that explained the blood. The rotting was, I guess, some rotting meat in a freezer, so that explained the rotting. So basically, they didn't find anything. So now the question is, who is this anonymous tip coming from? From this psychic? You know, I don't have a problem. You know, I, I guess that the police have to respond to every single. I mean, they they, they were given a tip. It, it it seemed like she had information. You know, they they had to check it out. So I don't have an issue so much with them following a psychic tip because who knows that this was really from a psychic? The lady could have just been calling in. She may have had information and just not wanted to to tell them how she had that information. Yeah, right? so the tip so has psychic. to be followed up. Right. So they did that, but the, but the thing is, is that the tip found came, turned out to be completely false, and this is the problem. So now that I mean, they apparently, you know, that the, she's disputing that she ever said that there was a mass grave. That she's saying that these people are being held. The initial okay. information says it was a mass grave. So whether they're being held or not, nobody found these people. And she's saying the police aren't responding to the actual information she gave her. Yada yada yada. Well, they're saying that the the calls said that there were mutilated bodies, right. including those of children, um, which she disputes. So they were mutilated, but she didn't say anybody was actually dead. Right. So apparently, it's a forty uh, eight year old grandmother. I don't know why grandmother was important, but they felt they need to put that in there. But they didn't give it a name. It humanizes her a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, the the I think here's the thing: is that this was a false tip. It needs to be prosecuted. I don't care if it was a psychic tip or not. And she's upset because she's like, I'm being persecuted for giving this tip. And you know, you should be feel good about giving tips. Well, you should feel good about giving tips if you have actual information. If you're if you're giving false leads, you, there should be repercussions for that as well. Because we can't Absolutely. have these. We can't have the police acting on false leads all the time. 
Yeah, so, there's better stuff for them to be doing. Right. And it does cost money for them to go out and investigate. Right. So that, lot, yeah. yeah. So they do know who this woman is. I don't know what their reaction is actually going to be to this woman, but she's claiming that she didn't say that they were dead. And, you know, and so there's some, there's some dispute about the actual information that was given. I, you know, I, I've been following the story, but nothing really new has come out. You know, other than the tip was from a psychic, it didn't pan out. They now know who the woman is, and so yes. So we'll we'll let hopefully that they'll pursue it, and there will be some repercussion for calling in a false tip. She did say that she's had visions all her life, and that the vision was backed up by two of her friends. So who also said, had similar visions, apparently. Yeah. So they all had the, they all had these visions, and she called in the tip. So anyway, it it's, it's I been did like they had one article that was connected off of this. I don't remember exactly where it was that basically very conclusively said that no psychic tip has ever resulted in any fine, That's, which yeah. I thought was interesting because I kind of thought that, but I'd never seen anybody come out and, and say that conclusively. That was because there's always that. that possibility that, you know, someone says it's here and that they happen to be there. You know, I don't think that there's evidence to show that a psychic tip has ever demonstrably helped to solve a crime. And and that would the, the article you're talking about is from uh, the Center for Inquiry. And it's it's off. Uh, ben Radford wrote that article and he wrote, oh, okay. he wrote a few of the articles that I read. I read a lot of stuff from him and, you know, he's been critical of, you know, psychics investigations, um, you know, in, in helping the police in the past. So, I mean, this is well, something he, he's definitely um, you know, taking you know, a look at. Think back on our very, very first inaugural podcast where we talked about Sylvia Brown and she had told this family that their daughter was alive. She was like working as a stripper and when they actually found the body, they they found the remains. They were able to determine that she'd been dead for several years before Sylvia Brown made her prediction. Right. Well, and then there was another one where Sylvia Brown had predicted that the woman was dead, and they found her being held captive in a backyard for like 18 years. Uh-huh. Well, and then, of course, there's the whole thing with uh, – not a crime tip, but the whole thing with the miners and Sylvia Brown. Right, right. And she backpedaled on that and said, well, I don't see how anybody could actually be alive there after it, they, after they reported that only one of the miners was actually alive. Right. She comes out and says, oh, they're all going to be fine, and then they give her the information. Well, actually, the information just came in that uh, that they're all dead. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you know, except for one, you know, I mean, come on. That was that that was really and you know the the person who was interviewing her at the time really just gave her a lot of slack and I I don't know if he was just giving a rope to hang herself by but it was you know the Art Bell show so oh, not yeah. so that was pure belief yeah I think you're probably right being generous again all right so I just want to I I didn't want to wait till next week to cover that because it's been covered to death and you know we certainly don't need to talk about it again there's another one that I put in here that's related um, the Holly Bobo where psychics are all you know clamoring to you know to give information on so and yeah, so that's it call this another one in the can let's call this another one in the can say good night mm-hmm. good night Gracie good night <laughs> good night and thank you for listening to the amateur skeptics podcast till next time thank you for listening to the amateur skeptics podcast for more information about the amateur skeptics go to amateurskeptics.com to send us feedback suggestions, or big flaming insults, 
feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under Creative Commons, no derivatives, 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 